Okay, guys, right off the bat, I got to thinking this week, what would bother you more, being frightened or charmed? Mm. And why? Let's let's roll this off. Both. Oh, na- natural 20. I got natural 20 as well. Or did you try? Really? Okay. Yeah, I did. I'm going to roll it off. Yeah. 10. Um, uh, 17. All right, Terry. I'm charmed or frightened? Would I what would bother be- you more in the like real life, in the real world? Would I rather be charmed or frightened? Keep it. Keep in think, mind that you normally remember when you've been charmed. I think frightened. I think for me, I'm very much about. Um, you know, I have to believe. I have to believe people. I have to believe things are real. I don't like it when things are fake. You know, or or when somebody's pretending something is some way, and only to find out that it was never true. Um, and I know that sounds very vague, but I mean like. I want um, relationships with people to be real, right? I don't want it to be based on anything fake. And, you know, we kind of all have those. Those, those, like, well, the prime example is, like, oh, like, the beautiful 25-year-old girl is with the 80-year-old billionaire. I wonder what she loves. It. You know what I'm saying? That's like the <laughs> fakeness there. I don't want that, you know? I want everything to be real. So I think I would rather be frightened because that is, that is something which is real, right? And so I can work around what's really happening instead of trying to work around where that I've been deceived which I, I i wouldn't enjoy no adam what did he roll i got a fucking two okay <laughs> <laughs> uh so for me i think i think i'm with you terry uh i would definitely rather be frightened than charmed um mostly because i'm a person who deals with anxiety and stuff and there's a lot of things that i don't want to interact or move closer to so it <laughs> <laughs> frightened wouldn't really change a lot uh yeah, you got this down you working with yeah this i got this down um and i mean my anxiety has me second guessing people all the time so being charmed might actually help me get over some of my insecurities towards people like i don't care if it's fake i just at least i trust you now i guess <laughs> yeah. i don't know um uh, no for me it would be frightened frightened's a familiar thing i'm okay with frightened right <laughs> damn that's so fucking sad <laughs> it's fucking tragic really isn't it <laughs> oh man well, that's why i have a good therapist and good meds fuck Look, the isolation better, better i'm coming the, over better the devil you know better the devil you know Dan. Right? no hugs no hugs six feet six feet <laughs> okay honestly for me there is something utterly insidious about the concept of being charmed there is just it is for me because i'm thinking it's mind control level if you could just get people to do shit for you you if it takes away your free will that is the most horrible fucking thing in the world however yeah however it's also something that you are aware of when it has happened and like i assume that if that if you could actually have mind control in real life there'd be support groups and shit for it and there would be like like exercises there'd be all sorts of youtube videos on how to counter being charmed and shit get advantage against yeah. charm with these three simple steps but honestly everyone er, everyone who runs a youtube channel is a, a bard yeah right uh, <laughs> and here's how i do my counter charm but l- let me tell you something I have spent a lot of my life digging into the concept of fear, and I freaking let me sound like the scarecrow from Batman. But um, I, I love the idea of horror movies and fright, and I don't mean like oh a jump scare. I mean like legitimate, uh, like horror terror that does not let go of you, and it is so yeah. crippling. It is so hmm. like it, charmed. It seems to be the surface level of you don't have control over what you're saying or doing. 
it doesn't get much deeper than that. It's just whether or not you remember it, how quickly can you snap out of it. Fright yeah. can go so deep that it can outright fucking kill you. There have been yeah, people I... that have starved to death or or died of thirst because they were too afraid to leave their own apartment. Mm-hmm. Right? Fear, I think, can, is so much deeper than than what D&D gives a credit for. and But, I mean, D&D is not set up for it, right? Call of Cthulhu is. There are other things out there for it. Yeah. Um, Sexy Time with Dan is another game that just instills fear. But... Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> That's what you asked for, Adam. I just given you what you asked for. I did. I have a notarized letter. I didn't know. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. I'm Dan, and with me are Terry and Adam, and today we're talking about condition effects. Uh, Specifically, the uh, sensory deprivation ones, as well as the poisoned and charmed um, and frightened effects. So, um, guys, I, I... Gotta ask as we're getting into this whole whole thing, how do you implement a lot of these things in your games? Like for me, this is by far the more interesting way to attack a character than just their hit points. Well, I mean, you got to be careful with it. You got to mix up your different condition effects all the time or it's going to just feel old over and over and over again. We specifically chose these five because these are the most common that you're going to run into, especially at low levels. There's a lot of stuff that can be blinded or deafened or poisoned. And uh, mechanically, they're very similar, right? These are kind of the lightweight ones, despite the fact that they're actually pretty freaking heavy status effects that you would get in real life, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. Um. We said in the cold open that frightened is, is particularly, you know, deep and can kill you. But, I mean, so can freaking poison. And blindness or deafness is not um, something to be shrugged off in real life. And yet it is no, shrugged off in early yeah. levels, right? So, um, yeah. so we're, we kind of lumped all these ones together for that reason. But uh, we're going to get into the mechanics of it, I guess, as we go, Dan, right? So... Uh, yeah, so so what we're gonna do is we're gonna um, just go one by one through these uh, these effects, and then we're gonna roll off and and talk about how how we would play them as a DM and as a player. Um, but because there's five of them, it's it's like we might as well just go over them when we get to them each individually. Yeah. And I think the good way to start here is we're gonna start off with the sensory deprivation ones. These are your blindness and deafness. Um, this is made popular with the cleric spell or bard spell, blindness, deafness, um, as well as like fairy fire has a lesser effect of this. Uh, there's a bunch of spells that put this in there. Um, if you're playing a drow and walk out into sunlight, there's going to be a little bit of this that plays in to effect. So, um, just to break down the rules real quick about what these do, Here, uh, let's, the let's, blinded, let's separate them. Let's just focus on one first. Okay, yeah, let's step, uh, we'll go alphabetically. Uh, So we'll start with the blindness. Um, So a blinded creature cannot see. Yep. And automatically fails any ability check that requires sight. Um, Attack rolls against the creature have advantage and the creature's attack rolls have disadvantage. So that's, that is all that the blinded condition can do. Um, of course, this doesn't mean your perception is useless if you are not deaf and blind, but for checks involving sight, 
this would also like include like your investigation. Um, so do we want to roll off and, and have a little chat about what we like about it, what we don't like about it, what we would change? Sure. Yeah. Okay. 10. Seven. Fuck me. I got a seven too. We were just doubling up on things. Come on. Yeah. Two. Five. Okay. Okay. So, um, that means Terry, Terry, you're first. I'm going first with a 10. Um, I think, and you guys are going to hear this from you a couple of times. I think what I do not like about the blinded condition effect is that it's too short term. It's too short term and it's too vague. And Dan, a few episodes ago, you got yep. me thinking about this when you talk about specifics and 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 the you know the opposite opposite being vagueness. It, it's here as well. It says you know uh, fails any ability of checks to require sight. It's not specific on that. For me, that would include a nature check. Is this plant going to poison you? I don't know. I can't tell if that's the blue one or the pink one. Maybe you know it, it would affect survival checks for me. I think this warrants additional perception checks every single time the the, the situation has changed. So it's right now that you at, attack rolls have disadvantage, right? If you're blinded, but I mean, it, how do you know if the enemy has moved in the room? I think it requires an additional perception check before if the situation has changed before you even attack. So to even know if you have any idea where the enemy is um not necessarily whether they're they're still in the same place and maybe you can hit them maybe you can't so i think it's just a little bit vague especially where it says the ability checks that require sight i think it should list those a little bit more so ideas of what that may include yeah um what i do like about it is that it it is very obvious in the short term what what is not going to happen um you know, so attack rolls against the creature have advantage, and that's obviously because you can't see them coming, you know, and your attack rolls have disadvantage. So that's very clear. It's just a little bit too short term for me. So that would be my opinion on blinded. Okay, cool. Uh, for me, I would I would kind of agree. It seems a bit light, um, especially in the combat side of things. What I would definitely do is I would also apply cover, um, at least three-quarter cover, um, with, with, uh, someone being blind, I know I don't want to do total cover. Um, even though technically you would have total cover. Um, no, so, you wouldn't, like, no, you, wouldn't. Be... you would have concealment. You wouldn't have cover. Oh, concealment. Yeah. That would work out too. Uh, um, but in terms of, uh, cover, um, I would like to see this with the, with the, you know, the target that you attack, not only do you have disadvantage, but they also have a plus five bonus to their AC and dex throws against you because you don't know where you're aiming, right? Um, the, the yeah, sorry. Um, so I, I don't know, man, like this feels a bit too light for me um, as well. What I like about it is that it still kind of implies that your character can hear. Um, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why they did it. So it wasn't total cover. So it wasn't completely debilitating. Um, and it also plays into invisibility quite well and kind of gives you a response to invisible. Um, but Adam, what's concealment do again? So concealment is not actually a term in fifth edition. It was dropped after fourth E. Uh, however, um, there are two kind of, um, Conditions that make up for it instead. There's a concept of lightly obscured and heavily obscured in 5th edition. Lightly obscured means like light fog, dim light, things like that. It imposes disadvantage on perception, but not attacks. Because in theory, if things get close enough to you, you can see them clearly. Um, And uh, heavily obscured is um, like darkness, heavy fog, dense foliage. And it says right in it, 
this imposes the effects of the blindness condition. So there you have it. All right, cool. So, I mean, there, this stuff does exist. Honestly, for me, I think blindness is just fine because you are, you are considered blinded. Here's me splitting hairs. You are considered blinded, not blind. So it's the difference between getting sand in my eyes and having some sort of cataract condition, right? A blind character okay. would not have, um, I would give them a blind character would have disadvantage on, let's say insight checks because you mm -hmm. don't know what the body language is. You can't see them smirking, that kind of thing. If you've been temporarily blinded is to a lesser degree. I feel like you can still see colors and shapes. You just can't see detail. Um, I would give. I would argue for disadvantage on stealth checks as well. Yeah, no. yeah, I, I can totally get behind that. But the question is, I mean, with, with magical blindness, are you just fogging up their vision, or are they have they descended into a world of, of, you know, oblivion where there's nothing there? Because one of the things that I have trouble reconciling in my games is if you're blind, how do you know where to attack? And I don't mean like you have disadvantage and. No, I mean, like, are you, you're facing forward. You're facing north. The guy's to the east. Why are you not attacking? Like, where, where, how do you know where they are? Right? Yeah. Do they have to roll a stealth check? It's the check? same thing with, like, attacking roll... someone who's invisible. Yeah. Do you have to, do you have to roll a, an extra perception check to even get the right square on a grid? Yeah. Right? And so this is one of the things that I would, I think that a DM needs to look long and hard at, and I'll get into this difference between poison and poisoned. The difference between blind and blinded, right? The difference between deaf and deafened. There's there's a big difference between something that is affecting your character on a outside of combat, right? Like on a real. Um, you guys are talking about you want more permanent things. You want it to hit heavier. This is where I think being blind. You should get the blind condition beside beyond just the blinded, right? And I yeah. know I know that that sounds a little bit. Um, a little bit like the, like the same thing, but if you can sit down and explain to your players ahead of time, yeah, you can blind that that creature with your spell, and they're not going to be able to to really know exactly where you are. They're going to have disadvantage on things. If some guy is fighting me in real life, and I am, and he throws sand in my eyes, but I have one hand on his jacket, yeah, I'm going to have disadvantage, but I'm still able to hit him. However, yeah, yeah. if I don't, and he takes a step back. I'm screwed. And it's not just he needs to roll a stealth check. I'm breathing in my own ears. My heart is pounding. I'm moving. The sound of my clothes swishing. It's not going to take much well, for Well, there's him. other combat going around you as well, because let's be completely honest, you're not playing this game solo. There's going to be someone else there with you. Exactly. So I feel like there should almost be like a round of stunned or something if you wanted to make it more or more... Um, uh, more heavy-handed, but I don't think that's necessary, right? Being blind no. enough um, is, or sorry, being blind is enough of an issue um, in combat, but when you are out of combat, you need to be, you know, you need to have a, a rope tied around your waist and then attached to the cart as you're walking down the road because you're freaking blind, right? Because yeah. there will be people that will play blind monks. That's something that I've seen more than once, and they play it a whole lot no. differently than someone who is affected by the blinded condition. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I'm 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 with you on that one. 
Um, it, yeah, I, agree. I don't know. It feels light, but like the, the, the second you start considering this could be sand in the eyes, this could be like a magical film that is just put over your eyes, uh, until you manage to blink it free. Well, or, it's like a lot of, it's um, like hypnotic pattern and stuff as well. It was just like, it, it, you get dazzled for a second, right? Like someone shone a, a meg light in your eyes, right? I'm blinded, yeah. but I'm not blind. I still know where to curse at you because you just shot a flashlight in my face right yeah the only other thing that kind of bothers me about the whole blinded condition is um the way that light is done and handled in uh and like just general vision in uh dungeons and dragons fifth edition is is it's a bit peculiar to me um because low light vision isn't a thing but dim light still is um and when you have spells like darkness and you have spells um, like daylight out there, um, there there needs to be a little bit more of an explanation when you have like a status effect that it affects your eyes like this. Um, I would like to see the low light and this could be my three five bleeding through. I don't know, but uh, I'd like to see the low light vision side of things come through again as well and have a lesser version of. Um, of the blinded condition be applied to like humans and halflings that are standing in dim light. Yeah. Yeah. Look at I that think- point, that's just too much math for me as a DM to worry about. Um, I think that having dim light, like having two kinds of vision and three kinds of light is enough. That's six options, right? Having nine options is you're starting to extrapolate. And now at that point, you know, well, what happens in dim light with low light vision when you're underwater, right? And what ha- yeah. what happens? Uh, I guess. Uh, like, yeah, I guess. So, right, like, yeah. at, at what point do we just say, okay, enough is enough? And fifth ed keeps the mechanics accessible for anybody. Um, we already have a lot of bizarre fucking rules in this game. Don't get me started on swimming or or <laughs> holding your breath or holding your breath specifically. Oh, oh my yeah. god! So, um, what actually is difficult terrain? Because, I don't know, man, if I steal your boots, then gravel is difficult terrain. Not even gravel, just like outdoors is difficult terrain if I take your shoes. Even grass. It's hard to run on grass when you've got nothing on your feet. It's ridiculous. We, just as humans, we're shit. I don't know how we got this far. I, I well, I I know reading the the holding your breath mechanic that my constitution as an actual human being must be shit. Because there ain't no way I'm holding my breath for that long. Yeah, I know. Indeed, it is. Quick, we've only got 12 minutes to defeat this enemy. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, whereas in <laughs> real life, I, I'm an ex-smoker. So um, so if, I, I don't know, if I'm swimming and a fish startles me, I'm dead, right? If my face just dips <laughs> below water, I'm fucking toast. And, uh, it's honestly, and if, you know, if your pulse is racing because something crazy is happening, you're in combat, you're scared, you're trying to move around quickly, you have maybe 20 seconds maybe well like not long <laughs> we, we should we should devote a segment sometime to my homebrew mechanic for fighting underwater Be- <laughs> we because should, we should test this <laughs> well yeah uh it's it's a lot deadlier which is i think good it really truly is yeah but all right so we're gonna move on to the deafened condition now um the deafened condition is simply a deafened creature uh cannot hear and automatically fails any ability check that requires hearing 
Um, it doesn't affect your ability to attack or defend yourself. It is purely a uh, ability, like it's a purely a auditory thing, right? Um, it. I would also imply that this, like, if you're in the heat of combat um, and you're deafened, unless your party member is standing directly in front of you, you are not hearing direction from them. So, like, if you're deafened at the table, no coaching or anything else like that would be something I would run. So, uh, we'll just go with the same rules as before. Terry, what did you? Uh, what What are your thoughts on the deafened condition here? Um, I think uh, I think it needs to affect more than it's saying. Uh, again, I think it's just a little bit too too simple. So what do we get? A different creature can't hear and automatically fails any ability check that requires hearing. Again, it's too loose. Because for me, um, it's definitely perception. I think stealth, again, have you ever, like, I don't think you can be quiet if you're deaf and you're not used to being deaf. You know, you're going to be kicking things. You're going to be making noise. Also, have you ever tried to regulate your own volume? Like when you're wearing uh, ear defenders or like earplugs <laughs> or anything like that? You're yelling everything. Did you know that that's why drunk people yell? Because one of the earlier things that happens when you start to get um, intoxicated by alcohol is your sensory perceptions decrease. So basically you can't hear things as well. So that's why you yell. Oh, fuck. You think Dan must be deaf all the time then. Shit. <laughs> So uh, I, 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 think, I need a drink to get through this sometimes. So I, it makes sense. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, perception, stealth, again, I think there needs to be disadvantage on these. Um, and if you can't hear, you can't regulate your own volume. I think this also means that you're going to be pretty, you're pretty limited, right? I think you need to rely on much more communication from, from the party as a whole. Well, you, uh, I, I, I would be inclined to agree with you, Terry. Uh, like this should be far more debilitating than it is. Um, I, I, I think we, as our culture, give our, uh, give our hearing, we take it for granted, um, and just how much of our day-to-day life and our, um, passive, uh, our real life passive perception depends on our hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, man, I, 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 I completely agree. This should be far more debilitating than it is, uh, as a condition. I want to add one positive that I would maybe consider throwing in for this would be if you are blinded or you're deafened, perhaps you should get advantage on rolling against being frightened. Maybe we'll talk about it later. But if a dragon, oh, hey, re- that's, that's, that's interesting. If a dragon rears up and roars at you from behind and you are deaf, <laughs> is that going to bother you? Why or is this hot? Why is the air suddenly warm behind me? What is this? Or Does, even if you, <laughs> do you guys you smell rotten if, flesh? If you can't see it, if you can't see it, I think if you go into a pitch black dungeon and the human fighter is not carrying a torch, I think he should not be made to roll against, a save against being frightened. If a dragon pops up, because he's like, what, what dragon, what's happening? Tell me what's happening. I I don't know, man. If, if you're in a room with a bunch of other people and everyone else starts freaking out and running away and you didn't see what scared them, do you feel 100% calm? (laughs) Maybe, maybe. (laughs) So... So it's like I, for example, you put a bunch of, and I'm going to be stereotypical with this, but I mean I will include myself with this group. If 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 you take a bunch of girls, and they're all huddled together, and I will be I will be part of this group, and someone there <laughs> suddenly jumps up and says spider, everyone fucks off, right? Whether or not there was a spider or anyone saw it or how big it is or what it looks like or even if it's alive or dead. <laughs> everyone in that group is running the fuck away including me right so that's true so, that is true I, actually the other day i was in the woods and my my 
girlfriend screamed in the middle of the woods because a because a bee landed on her and I was instantly frightened and started to run away because I thought it was a bear. So really, <laughs> it doesn't even have to be the thing that you think it is. <laughs> and so for, if, if for anyone, me I if anybody has a character flaw where they're like, I really don't like insects, I would maybe make everybody roll a fright and save if if they scream because a spider comes. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I witness my children and bugs and my girls. They hate anything that is is remotely bug shaped. Um, I have seen them lose their absolute minds uh, over a piece of lint that is a little bit lighter than air and is like caught up in a draft or something Mm -hmm. um but my son is is hilarious he is absolutely intrigued by all things bug shaped and will uh like um when outside playing uh in the backyard or on the patio will like climb over and like get as close as he possibly can to the bug but if that bug moves Oh dear God! The the screaming and the freaking out that happens. If it stays still, he loves it. He's completely infatuated. But if that thing so much as twitches, it is like it is the funniest thing on the planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the one thing I would add to the deafened condition, just to get back to it, is I would add a difficulty for somatic, not somatic, uh, for verbal components in spellcasting. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's mostly because a lot of the way we speak depends on being able to hear ourselves as well. Um, so I think spellcasters getting deafened is going to be far worse than a spellcaster getting blinded. <laughs> but, um, but again, it depends on what it is, right? Like if you, even if, if it's tinnitus, right? Like if it's, if yeah, it's a high pitched ringing or you if you put your fingers in your ear and you try to talk, you can still get your sentences out, right? Like. It's it's when you when you're talking about tinnitus, you're talking about something else that's interfering with your speech centers, right? But what deafened is just the absence of it. Deaf people can still talk, right? And they have no problem putting their words in the correct order, right? Or saying it the way that they've always said it before, right? It's deaf people can sometimes have uh, difficulty enunciating if they've never heard the enunciation or they have to be taught. Because they're not aware of what it sounds like or what it's supposed to sound like when other people say it. But if you all of a sudden get your bell rung, you still know how to say fucking ow. Right? Like it's not, you're not going to be confused Mm. about it, especially spellcasters. Like I get what you're saying, but again, you're getting into the nitty gritty and uh, okay. So how come spellcasters, but battle masters are totally fine. Right? All their shit is about barking orders to people. Should they get something? And now we're we're extrapolating too much. Now we're complicating. Yeah, no, I, I I I get it. I, I'm I'm wanting to add some some complexity into it. Um, I I, I have like I've I've always said like there are some things about fifth edition that are too simple, and I would say in in some of these status effects, it, it's bleeding on the too simple. I'd like to see a little bit more to the deafened condition. Um, in my games, I would run it as it's in the book. Because I, I, I've got so many other things to deal with, but um, just for the point of like discussion and whatnot, like I, I would love to see it be a little bit more complex. Love to see it have a little bit more of an effect, even outside of uh, combat, so okay. uh, that it has a little bit more of a story impact than just you know a ringing in your ear for you know sixty seconds. Okay, all right, I, I got I got one for you then. Um, something that is already a mechanic that exists. The idea is you're deafened probably because of a thunder spell 
or because of the spell deafened, right? Like there's something that's gone off yeah. that's so loud that you cannot hear. That's that's where this condition comes from. It's not just because the quality of your hearing is lessened. It's something fucked with yeah. your eardrum, right? Like that's that's what we're talking yeah. about here. Why then are we not moving at half speed and have disadvantage on acrobatics checks for a minute or for the duration of being deaf? Right, and you make a con save to get past the entire condition. I I don't know, and but the thing is, like, I would be okay with that. But but like, the, this isn't putting enough weight in the no, no. amount that our sense of hearing matters to us in our movement and our moving around. Like, yeah, I'm a hundred percent on board with you. Have disadvantage on acrobatic checks for the for the duration that you're deaf. Yeah, athletics checks. Yeah. I'm not even sure athletics because it shouldn't affect how much I can lift something, but my ability to tumble or balance, right? I, the the assumption I have is my inner ear has been thrown off for a little while. Yep. I would also say performance checks, right? Um, <laughs> would, maybe even... Maybe tone deaf? Well, maybe maybe you are... Well, it's not just tone deaf, but I mean, you ever seen um, Courtney Love perform without... Uh, Without her freaking <laughs> settings set up on her on her Auto-tune. microphone, holy crap! That woman yeah, they, yep. they just is... got somebody with that recently, and I forget who it was, but uh, yeah, they, it's it's terrible. Like there are some people that just cannot sync, but but I think that there are a lot of people that if you if you were to take most musicians and plug their ears, they're gonna have difficulty. So if you were to do something yep. like burst their eardrum or fuck with their inner ear i think is that why musicians like singers uh who have a cold won't perform it has nothing to do with their voice it has to do with their inner ear and they can't stay on pitch it likely uh, is i don't that, know but. that 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 legitimately is one of the reasons um but i mean there's there's also another thing where if you have less of an input coming in but you could still hear your own voice uh, well. Your ability to maintain pitch and tone is actually a little bit better. That is why you will see some singers like plug one ear with a finger as they're singing because they're really trying to hit their harmonies as well as they can. Um, I've also I've played on stages where I have an inner ear monitor in my ear where I can't hear diddly jack shit outside of of my uh, in-ear monitors so like i've got to take out one ear just so i could hear what the room sounds like so that i could play more effectually to like what the feel in the room is so there's a lot to this right like one of the other things we haven't discussed is why aren't things suddenly muted or quieter like in theory in D &D, mechanically speaking a dragon roar and a bell tinkling are the same fucking thing right there's a lot to be desired for this but how far are we willing to go I think that when you start creating mechanics like spellcasting becomes more difficult, I would say that if you get deafened, yeah, man, roll your concentration save, right? Like that's that's what you should be doing for your spellcasting. Yeah. Don't don't add more things to it, new mechanics that are going to fuck with your table because then you're just targeting I, I, some people. Just use the stuff yeah. that already exists and be upfront about it. I like the idea of the inner ear being damaged and and it affecting you um, on your skills more than more than your combat effectiveness. Um, I think the main argument I'm going for here is just that either way it needs to be fleshed out more to stop this just from being some 
inconvenient thing that really people don't enjoy with the game at the moment, mostly because it's just like, ugh, this has happened. I think there needs to be more to it. I think we need to find ways in which this may be an advantage as well. For example, if you can't hear, can you be charmed? I can't hear what you're saying to me. If if you can't hear, do I am I susceptible to the command spell? Well, I shouldn't be. You know, I don't hear you say flee. You know, and and I think so. There, I think we need to flesh it out more. But I think we also need to add in advantages where we can as well to make it to make it more fun and to make these what are like more mundane type things like you're you know you're deaf or blind for whatever reason be more exciting in the game to make us more immersed instead of just ugh an inconvenience. I'm the only blind character. This is shit. I think that's the way we need to go. Well, I see my whole thing, is, and and I, I agree with you, Terry. I'd love to see some advantages brought into these as well, and 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 like mechanical advantages to being blind and mechanical advantages to being deaf. Um, I, I I would like to see, but there is um, I would at least like the blindness and deafness to at least matter about the same, right? Yeah. The the way that blindness works is crippling in combat if you are so the only one who is blinded. Right. But uh deafness, it's just, you know, you you automatically fail at this uh, ability checks related to hearing. Yeah. I would like for it to have more of an effect than just, you know, the first dot on the blindness thing and not the second dot. I think deafness needs to be expanded more. Because it, it can be far more crippling than than it seems it's giving it credit for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that it, it needs to extrapolate a little bit more than just hearing. It needs to be balance. It needs to be um, awareness. I, I, I don't know. I've got a lot to say about this. But again, we would have to build brand new mechanics into this game to mm-hmm. accurately... Um, uh, cover this and i know why they include deafness as as a part of the game because there's thunder spells there are, pe- there are deaf people that play that want representation like it makes a lot of sense but it really does feel like an afterthought into the conditions or something that, yeah. the, yep. that the game designers didn't put a whole lot of time and effort into i think that it should be up to your dm during your session zero or when you're sitting down and you're looking at it, you go you know what guys the deaf in mechanic doesn't make a whole fucking lot of sense to me I found these other mechanics that exist within the game. For example, there's this one thing on a monster stat block. That means that when they can't hear, they can't do this. I would like to apply that. It makes sense for everybody. That kind of thing, right? But don't go making up your own homebrew shit, right? As much as I say, always make up your homebrew shit and everybody is, is, is valid. Every rule is valid. All the official rules is written are merely guidelines. Don't imbalance your game for the sake of you wanting a more realistic deafened mechanic. Yeah. Um, I only have one more question before we move on from the sensory deprivation um, status effects here, guys. Um, the conditions. How do you, and this is our this is our players tip segment of this. Uh, how do you guys play a blinded or deafened character at the table? Uh, same initiative. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, sir. I think um, I think this is your chance to be when you're blinded or deaf and to almost become a leader at the table, where you can now start to drive 
role-playing drive interaction drive because that's how your character is going to benefit but also it, it's an opportunity for you to really bring the, bring the game to life so don't be like oh fuck you know my character's deaf and i'm just going to sit here and sulk for a little bit well this is your opportunity now to encourage uh, communication during combat so you can use your interaction you know you need to yell to the wizard or to the paladin tell me what's happening where is he is he on my six all that sort of stuff so now you can encourage the the team to talk a little bit more but now you can focus on asking the dm those questions that nobody else is asking you're blinded so now now i'm the player that's asking the dm hey what does it smell like in here so now we can bring mm. a little bit more life to the game you know and yeah you know it, it, you get to we you know we do skill check a skill test well we can go around it a little bit more so if you're if you're in a situation where you're outside or whatever you're picking something up if i need to do a nature check survival check i can say what does this plant taste like dm you know and what does that tell me as the druid so i think this is an opportunity where we don't want to sit back we can start to become leaders at the table as players a little bit more and, and use this opportunity to just bring life to the game a bit more let's get let's yeah. get everybody immersed um in in the story rather than just as individuals being a little bit pissed off in the corner that our character is weaker than everybody else in some ways right now yeah no i i would definitely encourage um players to lean into their conditions as best they can, yeah. whether it be one of these or exhaustion or, um, or, or being grappled or, or becoming petrified, like a- any of these conditions, um, really lean into them in a role-playing uh, mindset. Don't just sit back and get all pouty that you're, con- that you've had a condition affect your character. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like the way I view these things is kind of like, uh, uh, a uh, a director to an actor right so when we were sitting down doing call of cthulhu and and um adam and i had written out these intros and then adam would sit there and direct me as i'm reading them a little peek behind the curtain here um oh man you were and so he frustrated would be like, oh I, I was so <laughs> mad because he would be like no dan slower more ominous and i'm like adam <laughs> I only I, I only have one speed at which I speak and it is faster than my brain works. So can we just <laughs> please just like let me speak quickly? He's like, no, you need to be more ominous. And it was really frustrating, but I mean incredibly rewarding once we got through with it, right? So I I would I <laughs> would really encourage players. <laughs> uh fuck Terry. Um I would I would encourage players That's the name to of my really lean into these things. Terry. <laughs> Adam, please. Uh, what? 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 It, as a player, as as someone who's encouraging players, what do you got um, about these conditions? Okay, so um, I'll tell you. Look, I play the Forever DM. One of the things that I find I'm guilty of is by the third round of combat, I am no longer describing the room, what's happening, the floor. What I'm doing is I'm saying, okay. So then this guy over here with the big armor, he, he runs he runs up to this guy. This guy over here, um, you took his knife, so he's going to pull out a sword. This guy over here. And I'm just mechanics now, right? I, I'm doing yeah. the bare minimum. So I'm always looking for the player who is trying to engage me in the narrative again. Um, because I'm juggling a thousand things. Slow me down. So if you're blind or deaf, and we get to your turn in initiative turn to me and say like as i'm the dm i want to hear the player say okay what do i know Mm -hmm. what has changed since my last turn that i am aware of 
And then I, as a DM, will go, oh, well, shit, that's a great question. Roll a perception check. Of course, you have disadvantage with this or whatever, right? And so now suddenly everything has, has, we've we've got a break. We have a little commercial pause in the middle. And we're starting to get the narrative again. Now, this is not just me as a as a DM and one of my one of my blind spots. Pardon the, the pun, I guess. But um, but I think that it can be useful for everybody because all of a sudden, when when a drow is blinded, what does that do to them? Considering that they are not used to darkness, right? What about a, a mm. Kuatoa? Those guys are prone to insanity. You take away their ability to hear, that's it. They're fucked. There we go. Time for ritual suicide. <laughs> that's it. I'm done. This must. This is the end times. Cannot hear. Yeah. It's over. Right? <laughs> Zero to 100 miles an hour with Godzilla. Right? It's like, I'm swimming along. I can't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, but there will straight up be some creatures like um, kobolds or goblins that have already been injured or whatnot that will just drop their weapon and curl up right so it mean it it, yeah. it 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 can follow the same train of thought if you go blind why would you not just add you know that there are only two bandits left and your party of seven adventurers has got them on the run drop your weapon and stumble into the woods going oh god oh god right <laughs> <laughs> play into it create an interesting new thing to happen because the dm is going to sit there and when i design the encounter I say, yeah yeah and then they're not gonna be able to hear anymore which means i can have this creature over here maybe sneak up behind them they don't even know it's there because it's been invisible and now there's no way to detect it anymore right and so and i'm thinking all this as i design the game but then fuck face wizard over there cast see invisibility and i'm screwed right <laughs> why why are players not leaning into that same narrative i didn't create yeah, yeah. this encounter to murder any of you let alone all of you but even any of you right it's it's i'm sorry it's a quasit it is a quasit you are level 12 this is not a challenge to you however this is an opportunity for you to maybe let uh let a demon get a one up on you let the imp Maybe whisper in your ear, "Hey, hey, well, let's make a deal. I can, re- I can restore your sight." Right? These are opportunities for you to, uh, to play with. And if you just sit there and cross your arms and pout at the table, like I have seen more than one player do, then you're not allowing yourself to have fun. Embrace your flaws. Yeah, yeah. Be- because people don't remember killing hobgoblin number three. They remember the time that what's his face was deaf and walked into the mafia, like the, into the casino and said, Hey guys, do you think the mafia we're supposed to kill is in here? (laughs) Right. And that is the kind of fun, interesting storytelling that, that we're looking for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, I, I just had a thought. If you are running at a table like my my Friday night uh, group does, um, that is far more um, tactical and reliant on a battle map. Um, the blinded condition brings in a lot of other meta arguments to the table. Is like, oh, they wouldn't see this or they wouldn't see that. Um, and I want your guys's opinion real quick before we move on and hit a commercial uh, for this one for the actual battle map at the table and you guys running the blinded condition 
Um, so, how do you encourage your player um, to operate battle while being blinded? Is it do you get them to turn their chair if 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 we're all you know past the COVID nonsense and can actually sit around a table together? But do you get them just to turn their back and you that player is now theater of the mind for this combat or? Uh, do you roll d8s for movements? Do you roll perception checks? Like, is, is there a just real quick? Is there a, cor- a correct way to run blinded um, as a in a tactical battle map style game? A correct way? No. An interesting way? Yes, there are many. I like the idea of you um, turning your chair around. You can hear what people are saying, but but you can't do it. So somebody says, "Hey, hey, no, you got to run left." Run left so that you can get to the next bad guy, right? Or shoot towards my voice, right? And then, <laughs> and then you duck behind a crate, right? Like, like whatever it is. I think that this encourages players to communicate differently. That's what Terry was saying, right? Um, yeah. And even with the with the deafened condition, man, put your earbuds in, sit there and watch everything that's happening, but don't hear a thing while everyone is describing what they're doing. You can watch the minis on the map, or you can watch the DM flail his arms around describing things, but you have no idea what's happening. And then when you pull your earbuds out, you can say, sorry, what? And everyone has six (laughs) seconds to get the point across to you, because that's how long a round is, right? (laughs) And now do your best with what we can, so that that they don't understand that the person in the back cowering is actually casting spells, because they're deaf, Right. Or that, you know, the nearest one that they're fighting, I'm going to fight this really big orc. No, man, that's an ogre. You're blind and you don't know it, but you're about to get fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, you know, you heard heavy footsteps and something hit you pretty hard. And so now you pull out your rapier and go, and that hill giant is just, he's he's just going to eat you. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's, there are many different ways to do it. I like the idea of sensory deprivation uh, in reality so that you can rely on your other players. Right. So. And, and that, what that does, uh, it also opens a door to maybe be a bit of a dingus about things. Um, I mean, all of this, of course, is with the grain of salt. So don't be a dick. Right. Um, either you as the player who is deaf or you as the player who has the full ability to hear, um, like your character has the full ability to hear, and then now that player's reliance on your direction, don't take that opportunity as a thing like, oh yeah, no, he went down the cliff. Let's see if this asshole jumps. Like it's not one of those kind of situations. Yeah, um, I think at that yeah. point as well, though, I hear what you're saying there, Dan. I think at that point the the issue is not the the conditions, is it? That's a different issue you've got if you're you know if yeah, you're fair enough, party fair doing enough. that. Um, I think I think I agree with that in what you said. There's no correct way. I think there's a correct way depending on the table you're at. You, you, you know, we all played in very different types of groups where you can have the session zero or, you know, even mid-campaign conversation like, hey, guys, for blinded, deafened, do you guys want to do something fun? Do you want the earbuds going in so you actually can't hear? Do you want the do you want the uh, the blindfold that says, yes, daddy, uh, if your character is blinded, <laughs> just for a little bit of fun? Uh, I don't I don't have those on hand, Terry. Do you think <laughs> you, you, got, you could spare a dozen or so? <laughs> Or do you want? Or do you want to just keep it mechanics based and just roll perception checks all the time and do? And we'll make it more interesting that way. Um, and I think it's going to come down to the players uh, and and the table and the group that you're playing with. Some people are just not going to feel comfortable, you, you know, sat there with the blindfold on. Me personally, that is the exact type of thing that 
I would love and I would think it is hilarious um, and I would really get into it but I understand why some people are just not going to like that some people don't like to be singled out right whether even if it's yeah. innocently even if it's like look hey we're all friends we don't really care if you have the blindfold on we're not going to be tweeting it going oh my god Dave looks like such an idiot with his blindfold on we're just not well we probably would but um, <laughs> well I mean, if it's Dave some people don't if like it's to, Dave we'll do <laughs> yeah some people don't like to stand out like that but for other groups that's the best thing ever they're going home they're telling their you know wives girlfriends boyfriends whatever oh my god i had just had to sit for two hours with this blindfold on and it was hilarious um so i think it's what it's what's going to work for that group what i think is important though is that we try and do something which fleshes it out more than just the text we see on the back of the dm screen awesome well uh let's uh with that now covered um, I, could, I couldn't agree with you more, Terry. Uh, with that now covered, let's hit a commercial, and then we will uh, talk about our next uh, condition here. Hey, everyone. It's Adam here, and we just finished our first giveaway in a long time. We're all super excited about it, and our winner at Gelf Wings, or G Elf Wings, I'm not entirely certain. I'm going with Gelf Wings. Um, is our winner this time round. So congratulations, and also thank you for joining everybody else who entered this was absolutely phenomenal um, we really had a lot of fun doing this saw a lot of really cool instagram stories uh, we noticed that some people were just flooding the facebook page uh, we had well over 100 entries and i was super excited about it and uh, i know the others are as well so we are sitting down and recording uh gelf wings special episode soon and we should have it released sometime within the next week or so and uh we are also going to be mailing her these two awesome mimic minis that you guys can't see but i can and and they're awesome so anyway we'll be having more contests and giveaways in the future we're probably going to try to nail out a handful every year and uh and we're going to be uh consistently doing these special episodes directly to one person's direct question so Start thinking about it, start prepping, and we're going to open it up to uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, you know, all the regular social media places, and uh, and stay tuned for more info, more details, and again, congratulations to Gulf Wings. All right, guys, welcome back. Um we are now going to be moving on to Adam's favorite condition, the poison condition. Mm. Um, I'm just going to quickly read this out and then um, I'm going to lean back from the mic and just let Adam rage for a minute. Uh, so the poison condition very simply says a poisoned creature has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks. So like we did with the other uh, checks there, uh, guys, the other conditions before the commercial, let's roll a d20 and we will... Nope, surprise uh, round, I'm going, how- you guys can listen, here we go. Fuck, fuck poisoned. <laughs> I do not like... No, no? Can, I, can I do this? No, no, go ahead, go ahead, Adam. <laughs> right, so, um, I literally, you said that, I leaned back in my chair and went, well, there we go. <laughs> Alright, so... The poisoned condition frustrates the shit out of me because it is ill-defined. First and foremost, there are lots of different ways to get poisoned. If I make you drink acid, are you fucking poisoned? Right? A poisoned creature has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks. That's great. Why? Why should I do that? Let me tell you something. When when I have a uh, fever and I'm not feeling good, when I am like 
like vomiting. That's great. I can't, I can't do anything else. I am just a sad piece, like a sad sack of flesh at that point that just hates its own existence when I am like, when I have food poisoning. However, what about toxins? Right. What about, um, what about, uh, shit. What's the other one? Venom. Venom. Thank you. There's toxins and there's venom and they do very different things. And we bother to say that there's a difference between a rot troll and a venom troll. But why do we not have a poison base? Look, a hag should have 400 kinds of poisons. I think an alchemist should have 500 kinds of poisons. There should be all sorts of different ones and they should all have a different thing that they should do. So why do we say that if you... Uh, you are immune to the poison damage or you're resistant to poison damage, but not the poisoned condition or vice versa. We need to have consistency from D&D on this. So there's the poison condition, which Dan said, a poisoned creature has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks. Then there's poison damage, which you can be vulnerable, resistant, or immune to. Then there is a concept of what is poison, and then there is the often forgotten but occasionally mentioned toxins and venoms. And it's all lumped under the idea of this is poison. And I think that if we could just... And if when you have to go out and get an anti-venom because you got bitten by a snake, right? That's a plot hook. That's great. But why is someone just casting, you know, uh, some... Uh, Remove poison. Sorry? Remove poison. Sure. Fuck. I mean, I, I don't think it's a spell, but why not? Right? Does does cure disease work on this stuff? We're we're not even getting Maybe. into illnesses, right? There's so many different aspects. It's it's so poorly defined, and I think that as a DM, see, I've been raging about this for many months. It's I've said it on many episodes. I think it's such a shitty way of doing it. How many rogues? Oh fuck! How many rogues decide that they're just going to carry vials of poison to dip their blades into? But what does that poison do? Does it do poison damage? Are they expecting it to do the poisoned condition? Are these vials different rarities? Are they more expensive? Who's making these poisons? Is that why people... Like, tell me the truth. That's why we all have herbalism kits, right? And then we... Yeah, pretty much. Then we decide that this is a bullshit mechanic that's only given us 1d4 poison damage by level 6, so we just abandon the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Right? We're not doing this properly. Whereas D&D is not doing poison properly. And so I'm just, I'm just going to say right off the bat before you guys weigh in, because I'm going to be done talking here. I, there's nothing else that I, that I can really say. Be upfront with your players about toxin and about venom and about poison and the differences between them. Okay. There are different, um, there are different, actual definitions for them in reality but what are your definitions in D&D okay yeah are poisons things that you drink venoms things that you get stung with and toxins things that you breathe if that's your definition I'm fine with that and will any anti-venom anti-toxin anti-poison or cure wound fix it god fucking damn it why does cure wounds or heal not just take care of the poisoned condition yeah. Um, see, so what I do is I look at things like um, there are multiple wa- multiple classes in this game that just get immune to poisoned and the poison condition. Um, there are uh, 
And and I just looked it up because um, you're right. Remove poison isn't a spell, but protection from poison is a little late. And it's a spell. It it's a spell I've never seen chosen cast no. at a table. No, no, never. Right? People don't even but, include it in the spell list because why would you? Fuck it. It's just yeah, disadvantage right? for one minute or whatever. So why do I give a shit? Well, you should give a oh, shit because no. poison will fucking kill you. No man, protection from poison is nuts. Like reading this spell, it's it's kind of crazy. So what what the protection from poison spell is, and it is a second level abjuration, like on the druid spell list uh, spell. Um, so it's second level. So you're getting this at uh, fifth level. No, third level. Uh, you touch a creature, and for an hour without concentration, um, if it's poison, you neutralize you neutralize it. If more than one poison affects the target, you neutralize one poison that you know is present, or you neutralize one at random. So you can only neutralize one poison per casting of the spell. If people are hit with more than one poison, (laughs) it's a bad day, bud, but, I mean, cast the spell multiple times. Um, And then also, for the duration, which is an hour long without concentration, the target has advantage on saving throws against being poisoned, and has resistance to poison damage. As a second level abjuration spell, that's pretty awesome if you know you're running into poison in your campaign at some point. Big but like you said, I mean, poison poison is so underutilized in D&D 5th edition. Why the hell would you ever choose that spell? And the spell is great. I love the spell. I've got no issues with the spell. What it's targeting is the problem. And yet, and here's the other thing. There are 13 different kinds of damage in D&D 5th edition. However, there, everything, everything seems to be resistant at least to either fire or poison in the monster manual. Right? Like, yeah. you just inherently know that that you are not going to be able to do poison damage to undead, right? But what about oozes? Right? Can you... Can you use an aerosol poison against a fucking plant? Like, there needs to be some definition here. I'm sorry, I'm ranting again. Keep going. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, Terry, you got anything about poison? I do, yeah, I do. Because because the idea of poisoning is so open, there's so many variables here. I view poisoning as not a condition in itself, but mostly just a gateway to another condition or another situation happening for example dan if i was to peer pressure you into drinking far too much alcohol the alcohol would poison your body right and when you wake up i think it's fair to say that you would have disadvantage on dexterity checks because if you're severely hung over and i sent a bull charging after you you are less likely to get out of the way of that bull <laughs> as a result of that poison right so some it, would say with my current athletic level i don't stand much of a chance in that situation stone cold yeah, sober but yeah, yeah sure yeah you would also have, you have some you know, some constitution compromises as well as a result of that if I give you enough alcohol, you will become blind. You just read a really nice British way. Said I would shit myself. Yes. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yes, I did. <laughs> but you know, if I give you enough alcohol, you will be blinded. You know, if you were to um, to be bitten by a rattlesnake, I know this is venom, but it's entering your bloodstream. Don't know if you guys know the effects of rattlesnake venom, and it causes necrosis. Your flesh will start to die on your arm. You know, so that is a very different effect to what alcohol will have on you. But in this game, this would just be considered poison damage or you just be considered poisoned. So I think it needs to be opened up. So the way I use it is that 
guess if you are poisoned, it's just a gateway to another condition. You know, if you drink enough alcohol, your condition will change to unconscious. It's so oh, I don't think we have to oh get my God. bogged down. Terry, you just fixed my whole problem there with the poison condition. Give it a table like exhaustion. But instead of your level of exhaustion, you got time that can that can pass, right? And then you just yeah, give things ex- first, second, third level poison, right? And so exactly. like, and what happens along the way? But also, what's related to that particular poison? This is so I, I see where you're going, Adam, and I. This is what I'm getting. I agree 100. percent But also, it depends on what happens. If so, if you're you know, I mean, alcohol is a good way to go, right? You drink too much alcohol, you know, you're the bard, the rogue, whatever. In the tavern, what happens? What happens is going to be a similar thing to an exhaustion table. But then there should be a separate table for a different type of poison. Because if you are bitten by a rattlesnake, you're going to get some mild necrosis. If you don't attend to that, your arm will fall off after a certain <laughs> amount of time. It will die on your body. That's and, what I want to see. That's what I want to see in the next Xanathar level book. Is a Big ass fucking table of different poisons. Give me, exactly. you know how the how the magic items had like seven different tables for poisons. Mm-hmm. Give me three for poisons, two for toxin, or two for venom, and one for for toxin. They're all D one hundred tables, and it's it's what you can run into, right? And then give me it, something cool, I, yeah, right about about. But the this allows antidotes. us now to explore so much more. I mean, I th- I forget the effects of stinking cloud off the top of my head. I imagine it it poisons you it causes poison damage i forget if stinking cloud actually gives you the poisoned condition or something but if you're exposed to something like that or you know covid19 you know how is that going to affect you over coming days because it's going to be very different depending on the type of poison so i I think where we found a limitation here actually really opens up the gate for us to explore this in in so much more uh where i think players are going to going to really appreciate as well this adds something extra to the exploration pillar now yeah you can have that go on the side quest and get this type of root or you will die or you can have this is a long-term poison this is how it's going to affect you over weeks and weeks and weeks because you did whatever for so long, exposed yourself to this for so long, now you have mercury poisoning because you're a hatter in town or something. Um, so I think we should view this as an opportunity where we can open up this game so much more. Honestly, thank you for bringing up Stinking Cloud just as a sidebar. Because the thing is, the mechanic here is each creature that is completely within the cloud at the start of its turn must make a constitution saving throw against poison. On a failed save, the creature spends its action that turn retching and reeling. Creatures that don't need to breathe or are immune to poison automatically succeed on the saving throw. There's no poison condition. There is no poison damage. The fuck? You save against poison and just essentially lose your turn. Yeah, you yeah. you save against poison and are stunned. Well, no, it's not even stunned. You just spend your action. You have your bonus action, your reaction, your interaction, and your movement still. Like, fuck. God damn, fix your fucking poison. All right, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're going to hit a quick shutout, and then we will uh, uh, come back for the charmed and frightened conditions. This week's shoutout is for the incomparable dragon-loving Pepperina Sparkle Gem. A shoutout to Peps is long overdue, as she's been a fixture in the community for years now. Peps is a creative dynamo and full-time cast member with friends of the show, the Crit Storm cast. Hop over to at Pepperina underscore Sparkle Gem on Instagram to check out which dragon Peps is fawning over this week, or head over to critstormcast.podbean.com to tune in to her adventures. Thanks, Pep. Now on with the show. All right, guys, uh, we are back uh, from the shutout and um, we're going to be hitting the charmed condition first and then the frightened condition after that. Um, These are two of the more common um, conditions 
uh, as we said in the beginning. So we'll, we'll just get right into it. I'll read what the Charmed Condition does, and then we will roll dice to see how we handle it as a DM and how we handle it as a player. So sure. the Charmed Condition is a Charmed Creature Can't Attack. Um, the Charmer, so whoever did the Charming, um, or a, the Charmer, sorry, or target the Charmer with harmful abilities or magical effects. Also, the Charmer has advantage on any ability check to interact socially with the creature. So, uh, basically, in a nutshell, the charmed creature can't do anything um, negative to the charmer, and the charmer has advantage on any sort of social interaction with the charmy. So, uh, let's go ahead and roll the dice, and we will see what we do as a DM and what we do as a player with this condition. I got a 10. I go of the road again. I got 19, guys. I got a 3. Terry's got a lot to say about <laughs> the condition. So, Terry, <laughs> I know, as I'm a DM, good. as a player, how do you handle the charmed condition? I'm crushing this one. Okay. Charm condition. I think we've got an opportunity to open this up more. Okay, the reason this one is tough is because it requires complete fairness from both parties. Even though we know in this situation it is likely that the DM right now is playing the role of your enemy, they need to be completely fair in how they do it, and if you fall under the charm condition, you also need to be completely fair. What I think is a little bit too vague is how it says, you know, you can't cause harm to this person. You can't do whatever, can't do whatever. You could be charmed for a long time, right? Many hours. And you can leave that encounter and go away and you're still technically charmed. And I don't like the idea of you just go away and it's okay that all of your friends are trying to kill this bad guy. You're As long as it's not you, it's okay. I think, I think you should be actively still working in the best interest of the person that charmed you. If Strahd charms you, when you go away from that encounter, I think it should be expected that you should be trying to sabotage the plans of the rest of the party. But it's how do you do that fairly? I think you should be working within Strahd's best interests. You should be gathering information and relaying it to Strahd where you can because you think that he is right. You are aligned with him. And I don't think that is done correctly because it's very difficult to do from a meta perspective and, and to try and work in, in absolute fairness. Um, but I think that's what we should be working on is how we can be more fair with it. Is this going to affect your alignment? To Is your alignment going to change to to align with the person who charmed you? Because now you're thinking like them. You believe that they're correct. Is it going to change your ideals? Is it going to change your flaws and your character sheet? What are going to be the lasting effects? When you come out of being charmed and you know that you've been charmed, are you now going to second guess your next insight check? Because if you roll a 13 and the DM tells you this... Do you believe that? Because the last person you thought you understood charmed you. Or, as a DM, can I... Fa- I know I'm just asking a lot of questions back here, but as a DM, can I fairly say, you roll a 13 on this inside check, you're pretty sure you're getting charmed again. But you might not be. It's just your second guessing, right? What I'm trying to say is, really, the charmed is, is so difficult to be fair with because I think there should be longer-lasting effects. Um, so from a player's perspective... I think this is a chance where you need to sit down, have a side conversation with your DM and just say to your DM, hey, what is the goal here of what you would like me to achieve? You know, what does this person that charmed me, what do they think I should be working on right now Um, to try and do it as fairly as you can? Um, I think it's also an opportunity as a player that you can become kind of a mediator or a negotiator. 
when when talking to the end because now you have these two opposing sides but you know you kind of understand why Strahd's like that I kind of get it now guys don't you think we should be changing the plan here um, and I'm kind of going off the rails here guys I'm just saying it needs to open up a little bit more and I think there just needs to be ways that we can make this a little bit fairer yeah see I I, I, I agree, agree with you yeah. I agree with you to a point and that is when the spell says after the spell's uh, duration is met the creature knows it's been charmed by you mm-hmm. um, so how does that affect I, you I, afterwards how does that affect you afterwards? You know you've I, been I, deceived. Ex- exactly. And I, I would definitely have a little bit more of like an existential crisis yeah. for my players if if they did this. Um, my, my, my main hesitation is like this – there is an entire school of wizard that is devoted to this condition. Yeah. Um, there is uh, so many ways that this could go bad fast in terms of meta conversations and party politics around a table mm-hmm. um and and it's got to be handled delicately so um this is definitely one of those ones that um when it comes to charm and how uh, how being charmed works at your table it is one of those things that as a as a dm planning out a campaign i would have an answer for um, like I, like, like we've said mi- millions of times before, you can't have an answer for everything yeah. and you shouldn't be expected to, you should try to have an answer for what the charm condition is going to do, especially if you have vampires or fae or anything like that, that, or, or an enchantment wizard, anything like that, that kind of leads into, um, the charmed condition. You should have an answer for that as a DM. As a player, um, the way I view it is the charm condition makes it so that you are um, equally as friendly with the charmy as you are with your actual chosen friends. Right. Um, so I have no problem, and and those who listen to this podcast know, I have no problem telling my literal actual friends that they're being dicks and they need to change their way of living (laughs) i don't automatically agree with you because you're my friend right you're my friend and i got your back um but if you're being a dick i'm gonna tell you you're being a dick so i i don't see a charmed person just like you know letting the evil vampire eat on his friends right 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 like no 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 i'm I'm gonna come in and speak on that and be like "Hey, hey, hey stop that I mean, I know with some of the charm spells, that legit means I get another roll if that guy starts attacking my friends again, uh, another chance to save it. But other spells like Dominate, uh, which I just said completely wrong. Uh, Dominate? Nope. Fuck. Anyways. Command. Um, other spells oh, hold on, no, no, like- No, 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 hold on. Terry, Terry can say the word Dominate. Say it, Terry. Dominate? There we go. Fuck. Anyways, so <laughs> other spells like that one, I, 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 I am less inclined to believe that um, you will still stand there and, um, you know, not try to play both sides because the way you're viewing it is I have two groups of friends that just don't get along. How do I get these two groups of friends to put down their weapons and talk rather than, you know suddenly now I'm an enemy. Right. Like charm doesn't mean you're switching sides. Charm means that sides have been, you know, muddied for you. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I mean, you get into things like uh, gas and and or, or guys. How do you say that word? Gash. Adam. Gash. Gash. Um, where? Yeah, no. I mean, this person becomes fully subservient to you, but like again, how you play it, how you role play it, is is going to differ table to table, and as a DM and as a player. I kind of need to have a uh, clear definition of how this is going to affect my players, how this is going to affect my character um, before I sit down at the table. Adam? <sighs> yeah, look, both of, you, both of you are right, even though you almost have opposing perspectives. Terry says it's not bad enough. Dan's like, okay, calm down, everybody. It, it doesn't need to be this bad. Mm-hmm. My my perspective is very much of it being both because there are many fucking spells that include the idea of charmed and not just spells but monster abilities. I mean, it's not just the enchantment wizard that's the one that we look to. But can I remind you guys that fucking bards exist? Like <laughs> yeah, shit. right. So <laughs> like let welcome to your glamour bard, everybody. Uh, <laughs> right. And so here here's my thing about charmed. Once again, I think the correct answer here is the same thing that we said for for poison, where there needs to be a table. How charmed are you? Yeah. Level one spells do this, and, and and like in the spell description, it should say this counts as a as a tier two charm. And then you look that up on the table. The DM rolls a d4 and tells you what it is. Maybe you get saves semi-frequently maybe the dc is harder maybe under no circumstances will you attack maybe you're always talking about how great this guy is for the next two hours even though he was just murdered guys i really miss strahd like i know he did a bunch of bad stuff but he was awesome and then it wears off by dawn right like like whatever it is there needs to be some sort of guidance for this because it's it's poorly defined now remember in earlier editions Charmed was one of the worst fucking things to happen because it took away your agency. 100% yeah. it took away your agency and you had to sit, sit yeah. there. Older players go, oh, I'm charmed. They throw their hands up in the air, they cross their arms, they sit back and say, all right, let me know when I can have my character back. Yeah. Right? Because it was a form of mind control. In 5th edition, it's not like that. And it's leaned really heavily in the direction that Dan has said because they want players to have agency and they want them to play even though a ninth level enchantment should not let you do that. This is ninth level magic, right? These are things that, that <laughs> when Demogorgon charms you, you should have some fucking insanity go off for a goddamn long time. Right. <laughs> yeah. If, if, well, this, this is one of the reasons why we have said multiple times that everybody, please add, add the seventh stat of sanity into your games. It's not just sanity, though. It's, it's like, I miss the idea of it being a willpower save as opposed to a wisdom save. Because with willpower, it made sense that, you know what? You were just, your mind was dominated by this other mind, magically. Right? But how come, how come charmed and psychic damage are not somehow linked together? If you're mind controlled, don't you take a bunch of fucking psychic damage as they break through your mental barriers and now... They're, they've got their controls to your brain, right? Like, uh, there are definitely some things here that need to be tweaked. I think that we can fix this with tables, but it needs two kinds of tables. One, severity of the charm, and two, duration of the charm. Yeah. Because I think that something like Friends actually works pretty perfectly. The spell Friends. 
I'm I'm on board with it. Suggest suggestions yeah, a little bit different. Suggestion I've yeah, got I, th- I I have some some comments on some suggestions if if you want, but <laughs> but like there are so many and the Enchantment Wizard I don't we haven't touched an Enchantment Wizard on this podcast yet. Um, they are the most evil of evil, right? More so than necromancers. These guys are straight up mind controlling people to do whatever the fuck they want. They are taking away free will. That is a level of oppression that is intense. And people don't really give it the time of day when they think about it. But if I'm going to play an evil wizard, it will be an enchanter. Because I will be running around making everyone else, the NPCs in the world, and the bad guys just bend to my fucking will. Right? And that's that's what this... That's what charming, in my opinion, should be to some degree. There's a lot of it that's just, oh, you persuade people to like you more. Or, hey, you can convince them not to attack you for this round. That's great. That's low-level shit. That's cantrips up, up through up through tier one, right? So, um, yeah, did you say, did you say I'm Jafar? Tables. Yeah, Jafar. Well, I mean, <laughs> if, if the shoe fits. <laughs> I agree with the tables because I think uh, I I think we had a good idea there with a similar thing to the exhaustion tables because it lays it out clearly. Otherwise, it's too vague, right? It's like, am I kind of, do I think that he's awesome? And hey, he's kind of has an argument why he's like that. Or am I running off and killing younglings? Like, what, which level of charm <laughs> are we here? And I think it needs to be defined, right? Um, yeah. And I think it, you said something there about keeping agency. I think a, a good thing to do, depending on whatever level you set of how charmed you are, you know, you could say, you know, the, the enemy wants you to do this. You know, it's up to you, like, to defend them. But leave it up to them how they do that, you know, instead of just being like, I want you to cast fireball or something. Um, yeah. yeah, I tables, think the player like needs, to, needs to swap sides. The player just needs to swap allegiance. This is your opportunity as a player to sit on the DM side of the table and say, ha bitches. Yeah. I, I, I well, got a yes god in no. my Again, it, de- it depends on um, the level of the spell, of course. Like, I... I don't think it necessarily means you switch uh, sides. Like I, I, I don't like the I, higher level ones is what I'm talking uh, about. Friends, the higher the, level the, ones, yes. Right, charm yeah. person, if, no. But, but but if they, I mean the high level ones. If if they, for me, for me as a player to believe that my friends have turned their backs against me, um, that requires that spell to have you know, actually said something to the effect that you believe your friends are against you or you will do whatever the charm e charm, sorry charmer, the charmer uh, you will do whatever the charmer says with with uh the quickest most uh to the point action that you can do right like um the higher level uh charms you're right adam this is the most evil manipulative um npc big bad evil guy on the table um but for these lower level ones, like a lot of the charms in the lower level are very much you are just you've just you've just added a friend to your friend group. No, dude, that's still and- shady as all fuck. Honestly, the bard that walks in and looks at the barmaid and uses charm person to get her to be just just a little friendlier, you know, that's shady as fuck. Oh yes, yes, that's shady as fuck. I get it, but that's also um one 
session zero chat about this. Yes, I guys. understand that, but, like, but still, the potential but, is there but, from the but beginning. But like, it, you're right. It is it is shady as fuck, and the um, there should be repercussions because a lot of these lower level spells, um, the second it breaks, like friends, like charm person, that person knows that they were charmed by you. Not even that they were just charmed, but they know the person that charmed them. So you could even do the whole your friend, uh, the the have you met Ted game, right? And then they know that, you know, the Barney Stinson character charmed them so that their friend, who is probably like the low charisma, uh, low, low charisma barbarian or something, could actually get lucky one night. Yeah. No, it like there's there's so many like actual legal repercussions that need to be taken into account. I, I think the thing that we need to discuss here is the difference between being persuaded, being charmed, and being enthralled, right? Like there are some spells there that straight up turn you into a thrall where you are walking around just doing the bidding of whoever did your did that mind control to you. And I like that sh- that shit exists in the game. It has a real cool depth to it. However, you, there really needs to be some sort of, of balance. But as a player, Dan, yeah. how do you have fun with that? How do you have fun with that from a player's perspective? Even if you are enthralled or you're just moderately charmed, if you yourself are charmed, how do you have fun with that and not just get frustrated at the DM, you know, pulled the rug out from underneath your plans? Well, I mean, I get frustrated that the DM pulled the rug out from under my plans, but I also am going into the game expecting the DM to want to do that like as much as we rail against dms for uh um railroading we got to remember as players we shouldn't be attempting to force the campaign to be railroaded in our way either right so the the campaign is going to change um regardless of our decisions in some respects it just is so like we are not the main protagonist of the story yeah, but that's and not how you have, have fun that's just how that. you continue to be a human no, fucking no, no 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 if you go if you go into the game with that knowledge on at hand that you are not the main protagonist of the story and that um the dm is there to offer challenge and some of that challenge might be that he gives you a new friend for a couple hours and then gives you a really big enemy after those couple hours are over, right? Like it, it, it is just being open to the DM making that kind of thing. And that would like, it's, it's the, if your expectations are set properly, then it's a lot harder to shatter them. And that's going to cause a lot of stress at the table. Um, so for for me, the way I have fun with a charm person spell is I am expecting um, that if the DM uses that kind of thing against me, uses his suggestion to go off in another direction or uses a uh, um, charm person for a minute on me, then yeah, man, like I've got a new friend. And then when I'm done, I've got a new enemy because I know that they tried to manipulate my emotions. If it's a higher level spell in a higher level campaign and and I am suddenly charmed into being, you know, enthralled or um, dominated by by uh, an enemy, that's going to suck, man. It really, really, really is. But I've got to roll with the punches because I know these are the kind of stakes that are um, at the table at those levels. I don't even think it sucks, though. I I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you, but I don't think it sucks. 
Do you have any idea? 100% of my players, 100% of them, would agree if I pulled them aside separately or I sent them a private message during the week and I said, hey, how would you feel about swapping allegiances and double-crossing the other players for a session or two? Every single one of them would rub their hands together and go, yeah, okay. How is being charmed any different? Look look at it like an opportunity. The problem with charmed is that it tends to happen in combat. So it interrupts your fucking chess game on your grid. And that's what pisses people off. But the idea of actually swapping allegiances or double crossing your friends or whatever, that honestly doesn't bother most players. They, they're, they're okay with it. They're on board. I I, I would contend that it bothered me. (laughs) It, when, when, when you did that, I'm like, they already hate me enough for my bad decisions that I've made as this character. Now you're asking me to shoot them in the back? Fuck, that's the last nail in the coffin. I see it. I'm partied with a necromancer, an evil rogue who's a grave robber, and a paladin who don't give two shits about anything but justice. And you're asking me to stab them in the back? Dan. Oh, all right, well. Dan. Whoops. Yeah, but- you. Dan, only you could bring imposter syndrome into a game of imaginary characters where nothing is real. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair Look, enough. look, and Dan, I just want to remind you that you also approached me and said, hey, do you want to murder Brad's character and as many other people as possible, double-cross them, and then leave the campaign? And I went, yeah, okay. That's not exactly how that went down. Uh, I, I'm paraphrasing. I think there was more cackling, <laughs> and you had made little little tent with your fingers. And um, yeah, I also I also had voodoo dolls built out of everybody, and you were just and had twisting your nipples show my really plan. hard while you pitched this to oh, me. Oh no, I had the clamps full on, man. I borrowed Is the that clamps what from that Terry. Was? Just twisting the alligator yeah, clamps. Yeah. See how many rotations. Yeah. Speaking you can get? of other things that frighten me, the frightened condition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're welcome for that segue. So, You're welcome. I did that. On yeah, purpose. thank you, thank you. Uh, so we're gonna move on to our final condition here, the frightened uh, condition. Unless we have anything else to say about charmed, which do we? guys well we didn't end up agreeing on it but that's fine i mean we all have different perspectives on it yours is wrong dan but terry and i are right and that's that's what that's what matters (laughs) go fuck yourself so the frightened condition i think charmed (laughs) is one of those ones where i think i think it it, uh, everyone's going to do it a different way right i think it's one of those ones as long as you get to agree at a table but i think at at the table that you're playing in um but i think uh I think what we're learning here is that leveling things, maybe some use of some tables is going to really help. Uh, and I think Charmed, where it's so vague, is going to be something where a little bit of structure can really help you. So that would just be my final thought on that. Yeah, all right. I, I yeah. agree with you, Terry. And I mean, we're going to see that over and over. Maybe it doesn't even need to be legitimate tables. Maybe it just needs to be more clearly defined rules about being Charmed. Give it a proper yep. section in a chapter and not just kind of a hand wave, which it's really good. And I mean, it it's also one of those ones that the, the, the requirement to just not be a dick is is a little bit further amplified and should be uh, taken into account a little bit heavier mm-hmm. because it, it could go poorly from both sides of the table. Yeah. Um, all right. So the frightened condition. Um the frightened condition has, sorry, the frightened creature has disadvantage on ability checks and attack rolls while the source of its fear is within line of sight. And the creature cannot willingly move closer to the source of its fear. So uh, let's roll off. Let's see. How would you guys handle this as a DM and as a player? I botched. I got a 15. Did you botch, Terry? I botched. Finally, it caught up with you. 
Fuck. <laughs> I got a four. I can't roll. All right. I can't roll above a seven. But like, here we go. Here we go, Dan. All right. So, um, as a DM, the frightened condition, I I actually think of the list of conditions we have is the one I have the least amount of issues with. Um, I I I like how it's uh you're not forced to move away from the target, even though that is a thing in in some of the different versions of like cause fear. Um, but I I like how you have disadvantage on everything while you could see the source of your fear um like i I honestly as a dm i have very little issues with this um and i have some issues with how fear and and uh phobia is handled in D D. but for the condition itself i have very little issue with this um the only person though the only type of person i would definitely uh, have a talk to about this is the people who are you know i'm playing my big brave uh fighter and i don't think that measly spell effect would affect my fighter i should have advantage no bud you don't and you're afraid of it now it's called magic get over it yeah. move on I, right? I agree like, with you I, yeah um if if you are coming to a table trying to determine what the fears are of your player like i'm a seasoned war veteran i should not be afraid of a dragon no, you're afraid of a fucking dragon. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's a 40-story tall fire-breathing lizard that is smarter than you, quicker than you, older than you, stronger than you. Like, look, it is better than you in every single way. Yeah, you're afraid of it. Look, like it, do- it doesn't matter how many on. years you spent in the military. Are you really not going to shoot your pants when you're staring down the fucking turret on a tank <laughs> anyways so that's my opinion on the frightened condition um it, what uh, what do you got adam all right look if i can be honest i think that the frightened condition is one of the ones that i have the most inherent issue with but it's the mechanic that's not really mentioned here almost 100 percent of the time when you see the frightened condition it comes with a save that immediately removes the frightened condition so at the end of each one of your turns or the beginning of, you can re-roll. And if you succeed, you are no longer frightened and are immune to being frightened for the next 24 hours. All right, look. back By the target of the fear, Yeah, though. okay, fuck. I'll back up a second. Just because for a second I can bolster myself doesn't mean that the next time the dragon roars, I'm not immediately like, oh, yeah, all right, that's scary again. Just because you get past that first room in the haunted house doesn't mean that every other room after that is going to be fine. It's the same haunted house with the same fucking actors behind the door at the carnival, right? Like, the conditions haven't changed. You are still going to be terrified. I think that what we need here is we need to have, again, not necessarily a table. We need to have the scared condition, which is exactly what frightened is now. We need to have the frightened condition, which means that you can you just do not save against it. Like, what once you save against it or you fail... You have failed. You can you can bolster yourself for a round, but you have to make that roll every round while this creature is in your presence. And then I think there needs to be yeah, it's 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 not a roll to save and be done with. It's a roll to be able to act normally on this. It's turn. a roll to have courage, right? And that I think is more uh, more realistic. And I think there needs to be a terrified condition, which is just. Um, if you fail, we add the prone condition to this as well. And you don't get to attack this round. And then you roll to save every round to get back up to the frightened condition. Right? And that there's just 
degrees of severity on this. I absolutely hate the fact that dragons have the ability to use our frightful presence as part of their multi-attack every round. And yet, everyone in that party, because you're level 18 and you're all standing beside the paladin, everyone in that party is shrugging that shit off. It doesn't matter how many spell slots you have or how many battle master uh, dice you are able to throw or how good you are at sneak attack. Your level doesn't matter. This thing is a fucking dragon. A Baylor should be able to just look at you and cause fucking puddles streaming down your legs, right? Things should be scary. And I know you want to be a hero, but a hero is not immune to being frightened. A hero is standing their ground and shooting with disadvantage, even though they are terrified. That's what a courageous hero is. It's not about being immune to being scared. Someone who's not scared doesn't act heroic. They act normally. It's the person who's terrified that's going to lose everything and knows it and still moves forward. Those are courageous heroes. So I think that we need to see more of that and allow people to have... See, I, I would argue then that if I was going to introduce this, maybe we need a courage stat as well. Right? If we're going to have sanity and and we're going to have... Uh, uh, what was the... Um, what was the other optional stat? Uh, reputation. reputation. Why not have a courage stat? Or honor. We, we said they would be the same thing. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, look... I don't think it's a, it's a perfect system. I think it's it's got to have its own kind of crazy mechanic, but I don't see any purpose in in avoiding it. If you want people to be courageous, if you want people to, if they want to step up to be big-ass heroes, but they want to start off as puny little squires, give them a stat that can increase over time, right? Just yep. just your your, cura- your courage stat, is all, it goes up every level, and you can add your proficiency modifier to it. There are saves, and that's it. There we go. I just built a new mechanic and that's that's what we do against being terrified, frightened, or scared and, and there's different DCs involved and whatnot. I don't know. I think frightened is is underwhelming for what it should be. When you read for the first time, oh fuck, I can be scared of this and, and not be able to be as effective because I'm terrified, that's a really cool feeling as a new player. But then, yeah. after you've played it and you've seen it and you're like, oh I'm just not scared of this thing anymore okay, cool. Then it's, it's just, it's underwhelming. It's, it's nonsense. It's garbage. This is one of those ones that looks cool on paper at first and falls apart after about your fifth session playing with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a big thing for me is we pride ourselves on having such an explorative game where there's so, you know, we can go anywhere and do anything and explore all these different things, but it gets, seems to get played down so much. So I agree with you here, Adam. And, and why is there not long-term effects associated with being frightened and even if you want to blend it with sanity checks if you're using the sanity stat or whatever again i just think there needs to be long-term effects okay for example if you have a character who has been frightened three times by a dragon or has been threatened frightened by a couple of different dragons why are you now not just afraid of dragons why are you now not just why are you not <laughs> able to go into the presence of them? Oh, yesterday I was terrified by a dragon. We're gonna go for the red dragon today? Okay, no, I'm not about that life anymore. Like I think there should be there <laughs> yeah. should be long term things. One mechanical thing I don't like, yes, you're not able to move 
closer to them. But I think a part of I think that should be rewritten where you need to attempt to maintain the distance, the same distance, and not that you have to go away. But for example, if a cougar comes out of the trees at me, I will be frightened of the cougar. If the cougar moves towards me, I will move away from it. I will not go, well, the mechanic says I just have to not move closer. I'm fucking maintaining that distance that was initially there. Um, so if I think the dragon advances on you and you are frightened of the dragon, you should attempt to maintain that distance and you should at that point run away. I also um, like I also like the idea too is that if they retreat, you can kind of run forward a little bit, but you're still not getting too close. Right? Like, uh, I, I, yeah, I like I that. W- I would agree with that as well, actually. Yeah, because it's... Yeah, yeah, you can't move closer technically, but I think it, it warrants being rewritten because they may they may fly away from you. Like they may fly south. Well, does that mean that I just can't travel south now? What does that mean? You know, um, I think that warrants uh, being rewritten as well. Um, I, yeah, I think there. You know, I think this stands for tables as well, or, or something. The level of of how frightened you are, and um, are you going to? If the lawful good paladin is not able to stand by their code and rescue the child that's in the dragon's nest, do they get to maintain that alignment? Does it? Does something happen where they need to switch to chaotic good at this point because they're not able to stand by their vow because of their fear? Uh, do, do you? Does is there a role playing aspect here where one character wants to rethink the whole plan? Hey guys, I don't think being dragon hunters is a good idea anymore based on the fact that I'm terrified of them because every time we go in front of one, I can't stand that idea. Uh, you know, I think I want to be uh, a deep sea diver, but I'm afraid of water. It, <laughs> things need to be uh need to be reevaluated um you know or do you if you if it's the dragon's roar that has bothered you do you have a, a, a sanity or something in a madness table which means you are now afraid of loud noises so whenever you hear a loud noise you automatically go prone is there something mechanically we can do there? I think, again, just like the other conditions, I don't think it's fleshed out enough. And so it gets to the point yeah. where it just becomes an inconvenience that we want to overlook. This could have a... Th- there could be advantages to this because it limits variables. So th- for me, from a player's perspective here, I want to look at... if I, When you go into a combat, there are any number of variables that can change all the time. A plan is very hard to hold together. We know that we make fantastic plans as players that we very rarely see through because no plan survives contact with the enemy. What about if those variables are removed? What about if my wizard now cannot move closer to that dragon? That limits the outcomes of this battle because if I keep slinging high-level powered spells at that enemy, we know that enemy is likely now going to move to engage that wizard. So we can have fun as players and say, okay, there's a limited outcome here of what can happen. We can now switch our plan based on the fact that we can predict the enemy's behavior because this person can't move closer to them. Do you guys see where I'm getting at with that? Where we can actually yep, yep. we can actually make this fun now. We can make this more strategic. I know I typically don't comment too much on the strategic stuff outside of the game. <laughs> but I think uh, I think there's ways that we can make this fun. I think it just needs to be fleshed out more. And like we said with some of the other conditions, is just lean right into it. Yeah, I'm terrified. I can't go any closer to that dragon. I'm just going to keep slinging disintegrate at it. And maybe it'll come towards me and you guys can flank it and predict the behavior here. Um, so I went on a while there, but that's uh, that's my thoughts. See, my my whole thing about the frightened condition, and, and um, this is something we do with, uh, if you're knocked unconscious, it generates a scar. Um, on your character uh, that persists, right? So um, 
I've had characters who just look like one walking, you know, piece of scar tissue <laughs> because they just keep on getting knocked unconscious and it's like, yeah, okay, you, well, you you're missing like a an ear. And... by the end of the campaign. Yeah, right? Uh, so, <laughs> um, and I mean, lesser restoration or some spells would be able to remove that kind of scarring. But I mean, there was there was a effect, a long-term effect for, you know, losing a fight and falling unconscious. Um I think in insofar as frightened is concerned, I would have I would kind of leave it up to the player, but I would add the thing like, yeah, even though you have saved and you are no longer frightened, this has put a darkness on your soul or it has put a right. um it is it has put a phobia into your heart that you now have to uh rectify that no simple wisdom save is going to get you through. You need to actually spend some time as a character to build into this. And this is this has scarred your psyche in some way. I, I love what you said where it's like, if I if I get scared by a dragon, I'm not going to save three rounds later, go back to the tavern and be like, all right, now we got to go attack another dragon. No problem. Yeah. Hell no, man. I'm not about that life anymore. I love how you said that. and And that's how frightened should be. Um, if you are frightened by something, it should have an effect by you, uh, or have an effect on you, um, long-term. And I, I completely agree. But what I would do is as a DM, I would say to the player, Hey, if you are frightened by this for say two turns or three turns, depending on the duration that that character was, uh, frightened, I would say, here's kind of the long-term effect that your character has. Um, on this that they have to rectify and depending on how long they were scared or how long they were frightened the 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 intensity of that long-term effect would increase or decrease yeah um but at the same time as a player i would want to inject a little bit of that myself my dm wasn't putting that on the table right so as a player i would encourage people to really stand uh stand firm in Understanding that their their characters are three dimensional, they can that like there there's there's they can grow, they could change, they can shrink, and they can um, take a step back in their development, and that builds into intriguing characters. So have them become afraid of dragons. Now, if you're playing a dragon campaign and you're a dragonborn and you become a, uh, afraid of dragons, now you have a character that doesn't want to look in the mirror. I love it. I love, I love it. I love the character that's covering it, up right? all of the mirrors. <laughs> Yeah, so so I I I would with the with the approval of my DM, um, really try to add a little bit to it, and I don't think there needs to be a system to the frightened condition for this. I think it's just something as a player you could get into. So that that's my opinion on the frightened condition. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else we want to bring up here, gents, before we uh, wrap up? How frightened do you have to be? Before, because I, I like the madness tables. Um, bef- how frightened you have to be before you go full bird box and actually run into the dragon flames? Um, before, honest, before... Uh, honestly, the, the mechanical answer to that, Terry, is how much did you fail to save by? Is it a DC 23 uh, charisma save to not be frightened and you rolled a natural one? Mm-hmm. Then... <laughs> yeah. No, I would agree then with that. Then your insanity, that your sanity level drops by two points or whatever mechanic you're using for it. When it hits one or zero, 
depending on how you go with that. You go insane, and then you run into the into the dragon's mouth. I right? love that like, as another way of uh, you know we DMs. You know we we always like to ask, well, how do you want to do the final blow? How do you want to do? It? How do you want? You know, when you get that blow, what about when you get you you're so high on the madness table that it's time to do something like that, and then you get to ask the player, how do you want to do it? Because <laughs> it crossbow through your eye. Are you running into the flames? Are you taking somebody out with you? Um, yeah, I think do we think we just need to flesh these things out more. I'm gonna pick up the nearest Honestly, gnome I'm... and just jump off the cliff. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! No, I, I, I would look at the exhaustion table as well and just reflavor it for for like sanity levels as well, yeah. depending on, like Adam said, how much you failed by. Yeah. Like you just barely failed. Well, you're frightened and you have disadvantage. You fit. You failed by quite a bit. Well, you know your speed ha- is halved, or you have. Uh, further disadvantage on things or you just botched well guess what my friend you have level six exhaustion and you take yourself out yeah well that's a good point right? as well actually because like, we have crit tables we play with crit tables i mean this is a great opportunity to you know if you fail that that save so bad or if you botch on that save um to maybe roll on some sort of madness tables or roll on some sort of fear tables um i just like tables you guys yeah, honestly, a lot of this is coming back to tables for me. I think that what Dan said about it's up to the player uh, interacting with the fear and the frightened condition and whatnot is great. But if you don't implement that with a hard and fast rule, then you're going to have the majority of your players turn to you and say, no, look, man, I it says here that I was scared for one round. I made my save on the second round. I'm going to go kill the fucking thing now. Right. And, well, and there's I'm, I'm no role play like, involved there. I think that by including tables and degrees and, or maybe just different versions, like a scaling level of fear, then you're going to be able to encourage role play a little bit more um, from a mechanical standpoint, because I don't think the two need to be mutually exclusive. I think that your yeah, your I'm mechanics right. can encourage role play and your role play should be affected by mechanics. And we see a lot of that with the charisma skills. But yeah. we, we don't really see it the other way around, where um, where we have mechanics um, strongly encouraging role-playing outside of things like charm, which is poorly fucking defined and really open to a lot of interpretation and has the potential for really fucking up a, an evening, right? So, yeah. So, um, I, you know, I love how simple 5th Ed is. I love it. The conditions, you said at the beginning, Dan, about it being too simple the conditions generally speaking are too simple and i don't yep i don't think it is that difficult to add uh level one level two or level three to it or hand out a little card to a player that says hey this is what's happening to you now um these are the current effects that you have you really like strahd and you're gonna follow him around uh hey a Sararak is your new best friend Right or you're you are gonna tip the waiter a little bit more. Everybody's trying to get a deal. How come no waiter is charming the people for a tip? And they're gonna walk out of the tavern and be like, "Wait a fucking minute!" And turn around and go back, and the waiter's like, "What?" Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I I think that there are different levels to it. We should be playing with it a little bit more. And I think the players need to grab onto the idea of it being a fun opportunity to do something different with your character. It is how you reconcile the flaws that make it interesting, not how you celebrate your successes. Well, that's a good one. Write that down. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. I'm going to make Dan wear it. 
Yeah. So, uh, guys, out of out of the five that we've mentioned, the blindness, deafness, uh, charmed, frightened, poisoned, which of these conditions is kind of your favorite? Um, Terry? Um, it's not my favorite, but I think it could be. I would say poisoned because I think that one has the, the most room for expansion. And we can get that condition to the point where people actually really enjoy it if we do it properly. Um, so I say it's my favorite and that that is the one that I would be most excited to flesh out. Cool. Adam? Um, honestly, I think my favorite is blindness Uh, out of all of them. I think it is, it makes the most sense when you, when you break down the mechanics of it, I want a little bit more from it, but if you take the idea that blinded is not blind, then it's good the way that it is. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. So I have no problems with it. I kind of have qualms with everything else. I want something else to, to be added. More tables, more levels, more effects. But blinded seems, you know, it it's yeah, it is what it is, and I like it where it is. So yeah, okay. Uh, for me, it's it's I love the frightened condition, um, but I also love injecting horror into my campaign. So it is the one I kind of lean on the most out of the five we've mentioned today. Um, I I I do agree that it could have an exhaustion level gradient scale. Um, it could also uh, lead into other effects like terrified or, or something like that, that are no longer conditions, um, but have been conditions in additions past. So um, I like frightened. I think it is, it is the one I go to the most, but again, like the other five, there is room for improvement there. So, That's it for this week's episode on conditions. There are many more conditions to cover, and we'll be circling back to them over the next few months. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at www.itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. Thanks for listening to the It's a Mimic podcast, and make sure to check us out next week when we're covering Copper Dragons. You've reached the end of another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. Connect with us at itsamimic.com. Don't forget to subscribe and hit those share buttons. Thanks for listening and see you next week. I got a question for you guys. It's a reality I've had to deal with with a son who's uh, hearing impaired. Would you guys rather be blind or death. Let's roll. <laughs> Let's roll. So I got an 11. I got 18. I also got an 11. Dan, roll off. All right. 18. A, th- a third of that. You got a six. <laughs> I'm just copying you guys. Okay. All right. Dan, you're going last. Terry, what do you got? Uh, I think I would rather... I think I would rather be deaf. I kind of have this image... Oh. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Neither one's good, you know. It's true. Ideal. It's true. Neither one's ideal, um, and I think that's just purely from uh, like a, a, a danger type of sense. I feel like uh, for humans, sight is our primary sense of you know where we are, whether we're crossing the street, are we in trouble? I can see things coming from around me. I know what's going on in the room mostly. Um, you know, um, I think we use hearing more for for communication, uh, but for just for perception and being what's around me. And just being my personality type as well, where I just I, I want to feel in, involved. I don't want to feel like I'm not being included, and in like in a room, 
um, of people, um, I think I would want to be able to see those people. Yeah, I got to agree with you. I mean, whenever somebody asks this question, it always turns into, can you live without music or can you live without movies? And I'm like, no, man, it's more than that, right? Like, <laughs> there are so many opportunities out there for people um, who are visually or, or hearing impaired. Um, and, uh, and honestly, I, I think that I want to be able to drive a car. I can't, I can't do that if I'm blind, right? I want to be able to swing a hammer or use a table saw. I want to be able to, to cook a fancy meal, right? And there are just more opportunities if you are deaf than there are if, if you're blind. However, right. um, I also know that there are a whole bunch of, of parts of life that I'm I'm not aware of. I, it shocked me when I discovered that people have lights installed when they're deaf, so that when someone rings a doorbell, you can see that the doorbell's been rung. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? To like, wake them up in the middle of the night. Yeah. yeah as and, well. And and there's there's stuff like that for for both conditions. So it's funny because um, I I wouldn't want to be either. Music is such a huge part of my life. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. for me, guys, communicating, talking, this is what I do. Right. Like. Yeah. Exactly. So much of what I what I do is is communication. I'm the, I'm the talker on this fucking podcast. So yeah, no, I don't need to listen. I guess is my point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, shut up and listen to my answer. Uh, so <laughs> I have a, uh, I've got a foot in the door when it comes to deaf culture and deaf, um, society because my son's hard of hearing, uh, moderate to severe in both ears. He wears hearing aids and me and my family were learning sign language. Um, so it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm being able to kind of see where that trend leads. If you had asked me four years ago, I would have said I would prefer to be blind instead of deaf because music is such a massive part of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, the ability to hear the ability to have conversation, um, like I, I don't, I don't need to see Adam's ugly face to have a talk with him, right? I could, I could just talk with him, and that would almost be better for me if I didn't have to look at him at the same time. This whole quarantine thing has been great for this, <laughs> but uh, now that I've got my foot in the door and I see kind of the the things made available to the hard of hearing and deaf uh, society, and and I, I don't want to use the words like workarounds, but the uh, the the things they've had to implement to um make life more uh normal i guess for for hearing impaired people i would definitely prefer to be hearing impaired now um i have a very good friend who's deaf who loves music he's an avid drummer um he is completely hears zero deaf but he uh he feels the rhythm he feels the vibrations of the rhythm and uh I could get by on that. I could get by with just feeling the vibrations of the rhythm or, or feeling the resonance of the lower notes. Um, I'm a bass player. So that's the stuff that needs, I, I need in my music. So Dan, I think I could get by more on being deaf than I could on being blind Dan, at this point. If you ever need to feel vibrations, you come talk to me, but I got you covered. Gross. <laughs> Yucky. <laughs> Thank you for listening to an, it's a mimic production. <laughs> okay. You're done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>